This is a symposium podcast with E. Wright and Romero. And it happens a lot where it's, it's they don't want to accept the change. They don't want to have to do the work. Mm-hmm. And it's a parent who has to do the majority of the work um, when it's a kid. Heavy stuff. Okay. Those are just some words of wisdom. <laughs> By J.C. Hansen, you're welcome. You can definitely isolate that. I like it. <laughs> okay. okay. Oh, like, that was already clipping that. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to another episode of the Symposium Podcast. On the other side of the chair, way over there, let the people know who you way are. Way over so. here, E. Wright, back again with another episode. Thank you guys for joining us. I'll kick it back to my man. You know what it is, Rose Gold in the building. Feeling good, feeling great. We have another special guest. Yeah, so in the middle, could you please tell the people who you are, miss? Yeah, my name is JC Hansen. And I don't know what else you want to say. <laughs> okay. Cool, 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 cool. Welcome, JC. Welcome, Thank welcome. Thank you for joining us. Yeah. Um, you know, usually we would toast it up, but we are very, very far from each other. So it's air toast. Air toast. Just hand this over. I didn't have a cup, so you didn't you didn't act <laughs> to you and to the guest. Welcome to the party. going on, man? Yeah. I'm living, brother. Are you? <laughs> I'm living. See you a little, a little flustered today, man. Flustered? Yeah. Interesting choice of word. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I don't know. It's been... It it's also just, feel like I haven't seen you in a while, too. We haven't seen each other in, like, two weeks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So... Then just a busy morning. Mm. Busy, busy morning. That's all. You should know. We should talk about that. That should be a, a new segment. What you told me on the way here, what happened. Oh my God, dude. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Um, but I'm good. What about you? What's going on, man? I'm all right, man. I am um, I'm all right. I went to, I thought it was Sunday today. I went to a wedding last night. Yeah, how was that? It was cool, man. It was fun. It was some coworkers. Um well, one of my coworkers. Um, but it was a good time, man. It was uh, St. Paul. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forgot the name of the little venue. It was outside wedding, but then like indoor thing. It was pretty cool, though. Nice. Um, but yeah, I did that, and that was about it, man. It was like a little later night than I hoped, but it was it was cool. That's how weddings go, though. Uh, yeah, you know, I had a good time, though. It was That's a good. good. Time. Well, congrats to the newlyweds. Mm-hmm. That's cool. That's cool. JC, how are you? Oh, I'm golden. I got to sleep in. Lovely. Sounds nice. Mm-hmm. Good. Good. What's, what's sleeping in for you? Well, usually during like the school year time. Yeah. Um, I'm up at like 530. Yeah. Okay. Um, sometimes earlier if I am going to the gym and working out, which I've been talking about doing more again, is I'm usually up by like 430. So I could be at the gym at five because I got to get, I have kids. So okay. they're up at six out the door. It's early. Yeah. Super, super busy. All right. Well, uh, should we get into some news? Mm-hmm. I don't really have that much. Um, yeah, it'll be a short one. 
Yeah. Because I got nothing. But. There's just two. Uh, the series on Netflix, Untold. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. So they just came out with one story about, um, I can't remember how you say his name, Monte Tio. Do you know that story? Yes. Yes. Of course you do. That's actually, uh, did you watch it yet? Yeah. Did you see it? No. Okay. That was my plans for tomorrow, but it's fucking wild. It, it's something. Um, yeah. Watch it and then we'll talk about it. Mm-hmm. But you saw it. Oh, I already saw it. Yeah. Um, what do you think? Thoughts on it? Um, good. I, I'm a huge football fan, so it's interesting to watch like the personal lives of players and it was just it, I don't know, it was an intense, crazy story mm-hmm. and it kinda has a lot of twists in it that you're mm-hmm. just like, What? But it's it's really good. Yeah. I would recommend it for sure. So watch it and then we'll talk about it next time. Yeah. Um and then on top of that, on Tuesday comes the story of Anne One, like the rise and fall. Mm-hmm. Do you know what that is? Yeah. Okay. Just checking. Some people, <laughs> some people do not know what Anne One um, was. Was. Yeah. yeah. I don't even know what happened in the end, so I'm curious to to find out. But that's it. That's news to me, dude. You know what's so funny about this is. I've been trying to get you to watch stuff for like months. <laughs> don't, don't, don't. And then you just come with this new shit. It's, it's very funny to me. It's very what funny. What you been trying to make him watch? No, don't. don't Let's not me, get it. Let's not get it. Don't get me started. Hold on. You rec- Some of the recommendations that you've given me, I've actually sat down and watched. Mm. I watched, um, I saw The Bear. Yeah. I still haven't seen Euphoria. Oh, my God. I can't. You know what it is? It's hard for me to sit down and get into something like that because I can't wrap my head around the fuckery. Yeah, it's a lot of fuckery. Of teenagers. So, yeah. Like, <laughs> like, I know these sort of kids, but to that degree, I'm yeah. like, ah, I don't know if I can do this. So, But guarantee, I do one episode, I'll probably be in it. Mm-hmm. So, What else? There were so many I damn near forgot. Kirby enthusiasm. Yeah, that's a classic. I go classic. back to that every so often. Um, what else? Godfather of Harlem. Mm-hmm. Haven't I haven't gotten to that yet. That's that's on my list. What else is there? I forgot, man. Yeah, see, you can't can't come at me and then forget your list. Man, this was so long. <laughs> this was so long. I don't know. Well, good. To, I don't know if I said this already. Good to see you, though, brother. Me too. You did not. No, it's crazy yeah. to see you, man. I, I really didn't realize it was two weeks, but it was. It's been a minute uh, for anybody who is listening. I was gone. I was on vacation. I went to um, Colorado for a few days. Peeped the shirt. Well, for the viewers. It was a good time. I hiked. Saw some views. A lot of mountains. Did you tell them where to go? No, he said he. I've been there before, is what he said. Oh. <laughs> so he apparently is a Colorado. I went to expert. Colorado. Except for the with funny the... thing is, is he said he went to Estes Park. No, 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 don't, he said don't, it wrong. Don't. And I was like Estes Park. Like I said it right. The, however, he said it, and I was like, okay, so don't school me on Colorado. I was born there. Brother. Yeah. I said it with a question mark though. I was oh. like Estes. Oh. He, didn't. he was very, very firm about it. <laughs> I can see how this is going to go today. <laughs> yes. I really, I like this. I, I know I things. Just because you have somebody on your side. 
<laughs> I like this. God, it's like when Malia was on here. <laughs> Fucking, uh. Okay. Shout out to my baby sister, by the way. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, that's news to me. Yeah, I was say, <laughs> that's, that's, let's get to the real reason why that's we... That's enough fucking news. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> we're here to grill Miss JC about her life. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, JC is a wonderful person, and she is here to share some thoughts on things, especially with some questions that I, I have. But to start, can you tell us what your position is, what your profession is? Oh, sure. Um, so I am a community services supervisor for a nonprofit organization. Um, what I do specifically is I oversee mental health practitioners um, going out into the community and doing adult rehabil- rehabilitative mental health services, mm-hmm. which is what ARM stands for, yep. as well as um, um, children's therapeutic services and skills is what CTSS is. And so we kind of work with um, kids with developmental disabilities or de- developmental delays, autism, ADHD. And we kind of go in home with, especially with kids, um, and kind of help work on those basic functioning skills that they're usually de- behind on. Um, and then for adults, we do a lot of you know individual skills, teaching them about illness management and recovery, really helping them when they're kind of sometimes at their lowest to kind of get back on track. Mm-hmm. How, how long have you been in this profession? Um, I've been in this specific position for a year. Oh, okay. Um, but before that, I worked for um, a teen homeless shelter. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked there for quite some time. I did lots of different things there. Um, but I worked a lot with a lot of kids with trauma, especially. Um, and then I was on the Central Minnesota Human Trafficking Task Force. I worked with oh. a lot of human trafficking victims. Um, okay. Did lots of different stuff there. She has seen some shit. Yeah, yeah. Damn. yeah. yeah. Um, it's quite the it's quite the field to be working in, but it's quite the the position that you are in, especially because I noticed that when you talk about um, the diagnoses you mm-hmm. have. You make clients feel very, very comfortable. Like they, they look to you. And even when I, I'm with clients, they always reference you because of those sort of things. Yeah. Actually, I'm, before I skip ahead, can you share with the people uh, what your diagnoses are? Yeah, absolutely. So when I was younger, I was diagnosed with ADHD. I was like in third grade. Um, and I don't know if there's a thing in psychology with memories where after so long, they say our memories are not <laughs> exact. Um, we kind of, they're based more on feelings. But I remember being in third grade and doing a parent-teacher conference. Mm-hmm. And my mom had said um, that I was struggling. And the teacher had told my mom I was stupid. Like, I like vividly remember that. And so then my mom had to go get me tested. And they had found out I wasn't stupid at all. I actually had a higher IQ than most of the other kids in my class. I just was bored. So So they I was diagnosed with ADHD um, and then later as an adult, um, just in this last year, I was diagnosed with autism. Um, and then I've also experienced some trauma, so I have complex PTSD too. so yeah. it's, it's kind of a smorgasbord of you know things going on over here. <laughs> what made you I'm curious because you know, I, I have these conversations with people about ASD and a common thing that I've heard is, oh, that's something that you usually see in children. Or children usually get tested. Yeah. But you got tested as an adult. Yeah. What made you do that? 
So um, most of it had to do with the fact that I knew that I have ADHD and I knew that it impacted a lot of my life. Mm -hmm. However, there were some things that didn't fully ex be explained through the diagnosis of ADHD. Mm -hmm. um, and that had caused some severe deficits in my life, honestly, that made it difficult for me to function and to do things, um, especially when it came to relationships with people, mm -hmm. which is a really big part of that diagnosis. <laughs> um, and so I had really started being like, you know, I just struggle with this. And working with my therapist, she had suggested, you know, it is possible that I do have that diagnosis and perhaps it's something, you know, we get tested for. And mm -hmm. so I got tested and here I am. It was a, it was pretty pretty clear after the test. So can you, can you explain the um you said the complex uh, PTSD PTSD yeah. what is that? Exactly. So post traumatic stress disorder. Um, and I don't mind sharing any of this information, but yeah. um, I was sexually abused as a child. Okay. So when it comes to complex P PTSD, it's just that it's more intense oh, okay. and often has many different layers based on other type of traumas you've experienced in uh -huh. your life. So it's um you know, just a little more, it's like the beefed up version of okay. trauma. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so with this smorgasbord that you have, what is it like to, I mean, because you're, there are a lot of hats that you have to juggle. And especially when it comes to uh, the position that you are in. What is it like to tend to those things and at the same time tend to the things at work? I mean, it's it's a lot of practice mostly. Mm -hmm. um, so I know when you were interviewing good old Jake last time, yeah. <laughs> you know, he talked a lot about how it impacted his life, right? Mm -hmm. And it's kind of similar except for, so like one in 20, 26, I think, boys get diagnosed with aut autism and one in 143 females get get diagnosed with autism it's harder because we display different versions of it right it looks different 100 percent. Yeah. so a lot of a females is social aspects like yeah. i really struggle reading social cues i don't always understand what someone says um i don't get sarcasm sometimes people make a joke and i'm like well yeah for sure i did that and they're like you did and then they're not realizing that or why would i do that you know like they make a joke i don't mm -hmm. always understand that um, and a big part of it for me was, so we have a lack of executive functioning skills when you're neurodivergent, which means I have a problem with my working memory, mm. organization, um, I'm really impulsive, um, I have sleep problems, lots of, you know, those kinds of things. And so I work in a job where I have to be organized mm -hmm. <laughs> and, uh, you know how hard I work at that. And it's, it's hard because it's like, I have to think two times more than everyone else, sometimes more to do normal tasks. Uh, task initiation is mm -hmm. really hard for me. I sit down and if my body and my brain says, this isn't for me, I, I, I can't do it. Um, I have to learn how to trick my brain into doing tasks I don't want to do. So just trying to juggle things like, you know, I I also have staff and I have other things and yeah. and then also listening to other people's emotions all day that weighs on me. I'm very like empathetic. Um, empathetic. Yeah. yeah, I can feel people's emotions and some of that has to do with trauma too. Mm -hmm. If you grew up in a house with trauma, um, you turn you learn to read other people's emotions because it keeps you safe. Mm -hmm. um, 
So on top of that, and I do a lot of masking, which is a big thing that happens with females with autism. I walk into a social situation and I almost like adopt what other people are doing. Yeah, okay. Um, which always made me feel like maybe I don't know what my personality is. Maybe <laughs> when I'm with people with you, a certain personality, take I take yeah, on the personality. Right. And that's like an identity crisis, you know? Like what, what does that mean for me? But that's what happens. Does, I kind of sit in a room and... Does that get like kind of discouraging when you're like at work where it's like you feel like you got to work that much harder to yeah. do a certain, you know, a certain yep. task or... Yeah, it does because it. I feel all the time that I've never been able to keep up with my peers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, school was difficult for me. Um, the system, the school system, is not made for any individual who is outside of that box. I know the special <laughs> education teacher over here. <laughs> it's it, it, despite their best efforts, and I'm not even gonna say sorry for this that they no, are even giving their best efforts. Right? Right. Is it's it's almost impossible for me to fit into any of the molds. Um, that are presented even in a workplace. Um, you know, I used to have to ask for accommodations and people would like make fun of me for it, even as an adult. Mm -hmm. Please don't sit me in the busiest place in the office. Anytime someone walks by me, I get distracted. Mm. It's not because I want to get distracted, but my brain literally is like squirrel. I mean, pardon the term, but that's what it is, right? Yeah. I get ex distracted. I get excited about things. So if I don't have like a designated space where I can work on my stuff, mm -hmm. it's hard. So it's the balance at work is difficult. The balance at home is difficult. It's just, I'm tired a lot. My brain's probably is worn it just out. Going, like, always, always on fire. On fire it never turns yet. off. I'm, I, what's funny is, I don't know if you know this, but most people don't have a never ending internal dialogue in their brain. I literally, oh, for hear, sure. Yeah. I literally hear my voice in my own head 24 hours a day. It never stops telling me things, thinking about stuff, planning things out. I can't turn that off. So it's never quiet in my brain. Um, and I don't know what that feels like for it to be that way. So it, it's, it's tiring for sure. Um, again, lots of practice, lots of learning more about myself mm -hmm. and what works for me. Um, being open and asking for adaptations. Not everybody's open to that, but yeah. Now you talked about, uh, neurodivergence and gay shared, <clears throat> excuse me, some of the things that you experience, but can you tell the people what the difference is between neurodivergence and someone who has a neurotypical brain? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so like autism and ADHD are considered neurodivergent um, diagnosis, right? So they're neurological disorders. It means that the connections and the wires in my brains, in my brains, like I have more than one, right? Mm -hmm. um, they, they don't work the same way everyone else does. Mm -hmm. um, also, it's a chemical deficiency. So we lack a lot of dopamine and serotonin in our brain that makes us happy. Um, so there's like uh, comorbidity. Well, I was worried about saying that word. It's a hard word for me. Words are hard. In depression, anxiety, that kind of stuff, because of the fact that we have a lack of those happy hormones mm. in our brain. So um, like Mr. Jake was saying, is like seeking out those things that make us happy. It, we, that's why we have an addictive personality is because of those things. So a neurotypical person gets those happy hormones regularly, right? Mm -hmm. Their body chemistry is just different. Mm -hmm. um, it's also a behavior disorder, and it also is a social disorder. So like 60% of individuals with autism are nonverbal, um, or they really struggle with communication, whether it be verbal or, you know, nonverbal communication. So 
that's just kind of like the basis of it. It's, it's definitely affects your neural pathways and how things are connected um, and how you process information and how you get information out. Mm. So, But some of these things seem like to the eye can be pretty common things. Sure. What are some traits that, that stand out? I mean, you can never really look at somebody and, and judge them and be like, oh, that person's autistic. But there has to be some very unique traits. Absolutely. Are- um, so one of the main ones. No, is- I was just thinking because yeah. when you said, um, like, just even not getting, like, the sarcasm or, yeah, yeah. like, I see that. I see that. Like, I, I know a few people that, like, yeah. I'm like, well, it, it seems because it seems obvious to me, but like to somebody else, it might not be. So that that's kind of one that kind of sticks out to yeah. me. Mm. But, yeah, we sorry, take like I a no. That's all right. I, I welcome the questions. The it's like a lit. We take things literally. Mm-hmm. So yeah. if you tell me, is like there's a lot of kids with autism or individuals with autism who wouldn't understand what it means when someone says it's raining cats and dogs. Mm. They would go outside and be like, well, why the hell are cats and dogs falling from the sky? That sounds dangerous. They don't understand those puns and those like, you know. Um, A big one is sensory stuff. Mm, It's really hard for me to explain to people. Um, But I feel all of my clothes on my body Mm. 24 hours a day. Mm -hmm. And not just like you could put on a pair of clothes and you can walk out and you don't think about your clothes all day. I think about them all the time. Mm -hmm. So the seams... The textures, the feelings. I'm oversensitive to light. Um, that's why I like having my office dark. Is overhead those like fluorescent lights? Yeah. I can hear the sound of the lights. I can almost hear the buzzing of them. Mm-hmm. Like they're so intense for me. Romero's looking at me like I'm crazy. No, because I <laughs> yeah. I, I is this too much? No, no, no. Okay. It's all right. This is fine. They're softer lights. Um, but that's hard for me. Um, things that are too loud, oh boy, especially if it's in the early in the morning and I haven't taken my medication or something, I cannot handle like the sound of dishes. Mm. So it hurt it physically hurts my body to hear those things. The sensory stuff's really hard, which is why a lot of individuals with autism do stimming. It helps mm. with yeah. those regulations in our body. Um, I mean, there's lots of different things. Um, not being able to read facial cues. Um, not understanding, like I said, um, some of those social cues of when someone gets up and walks away. I do a lot of scripting is what it's called, sure. where I walk into a conversation and I have to think about what I'm going to say before I say it mm. because I don't know how a normal conversation should go. Um, in my head, I, that's why I, I watch a lot of movies. Mm. So sometimes I copy things that happens in movies, which is she actually scripting. Notes. For real, like when I used to watch movies with teenage girls in it. Because Just to as a teen, yeah, because with, I didn't know how to interact. Because yeah. I walk up to people, I'm like, hey, how's that going? Because I'm silly, <laughs> right? That's just how I, but that's not considered normal right. or acceptable for people. So I, you know, I used to like watch how they did things. That's how I wanted to be because I didn't know how I was supposed to act. I mean, those are kind of things that happen more in that neurodivergent impulsivity. I can't keep anything organized to save my life. We have something called a doom box, which is you didn't organize, you only moved it. (laughs) So you can find boxes around my house that just have stuff in it that I didn't really want to or know where to put away, but I just wanted it away. Like those are things. We're just not great at that kind of stuff. Okay. This might be a stupid question, but. There are no stupid questions. Do you guys, do you, is there some type of like sensory room in the workplace? Uh, We don't have one. We have sensory stuff. 
like I have fidget toys and yeah we I yeah I carry around toys and stuff like that but um for me honestly the only way I can cut my sensory stuff is I just need to be somewhere where I'm by myself and quiet yeah and my office is pretty comfortable for that they do allow me to make it a pretty good space for that I don't have to you know I have a couch and stuff I can sit and chill if need be so yeah yep um sorry I'm just thinking here with some of the things that you touched on um yeah that's uh, also part of my adhd and autism is i will just info dump as much as no, possible very, no, that's great. it's like very informed i'm like yeah I'm like damn yeah. Like, <laughs> well i think the thing that's really standing out to me right now is just how you said you used to watch movies of teenage girls mm-hmm. and you know you would basically study them and I mean, I feel like everybody does that. I mean, we watch movies. We take on some characteristics, right, of what we see. But is the difference between, you know, somebody taking on a certain personality of a character and you watching right. that? Say, like, like you're, when we do it, it's probably, but we make it into our own, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, or, or is it like you just being that person? Mm. That's, yeah, that's, oh. Well, even... Like, you know, just looking at someone and studying them, right? You can, you can kind of like t- take them apart and be like, oh, I like this, I don't like this. Mm. But for you, is it twice as hard? Oh, yeah. I don't like, I will stand there and if someone crosses their arms, I like subconsciously cross my arms too because I think that's what I'm supposed to do. Okay. I, it's hard for me to just be natural in a situation. I don't know what that's like. I feel that my body just tells me to do things that I don't fully understand sometimes because I feel like if I want it, because honestly, I'm the kind of person who I just want to chill and do literally nothing mm-hmm. because I don't have to think about it. Um, but like being in a so- social situation with lots of people, like I want to drink. I don't like to drink. But because that's to me would make me socially normal, it's something that I feel like I should do because of that because I don't know how to not do that. Mm-hmm. So like I'll order a non-alcoholic drink and carry it around or an alcoholic drink and carry it around just because just that's what everyone be else social. is doing. Social. Yeah. yeah, because I just, it's harder for me to read social cues. I don't understand when someone's being nice or if someone's flirting. Mm-hmm. I don't understand if someone's being mean or if they're being sarcastic. I don't understand things like that. I don't like when people make fun of me. It hurts my feelings. Even if they're joking, I don't take it as a joke. I take it literally. So there's a lot of issues when it comes to that social interactions mm-hmm. that makes it hard for, one, being a female because other females are not nice. <laughs> yeah. It's the tr- I always had friends that were guys just, because they were easy to true. read. <laughs> it's, it's true. But it's for real. <laughs> guys would be like, you want to go play in the dirt? Yes, I do. <laughs> other girls would be like, well, do you want to come over and sit with Jessica to do something? And like... <laughs> They were like, you know, we want to be in our tea party. But then if I didn't do the tea party, right, they didn't want to ever be my friend again. Like, it was hard for me. I didn't know how to interact with with kids. Uh, so I played football with the boys. I was the kid in the dirt because it was easy for me to just do that versus trying to navigate those social interactions with females. So out of curiosity, I mean, I know that you talked about watching movies and mm-hmm. learning certain characteristics but it sounds like there was a time where you used to hang around boys a lot and that was most comfortable with you Mm -hmm. but then somewhere down the road there was a shift where you could be around um both genders yeah even carry yourself as a a woman yeah what was the shift for you well like a lot of it has to do with when you get to like high school yeah 
you don't, we don't play in the dirt anymore, right? right? <laughs> you have to be in these social groups and you have to be able to fit in. Mm-hmm. Plus, I physically look like a female, right? So it's, this is who, this is who I am as I identify as a female. I'm a female human being. I don't know how female human beings should act, though. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's like, it's hard for me. What's normal? Oh, like, I was going to say, like, the, what's the normal? Yeah, right? What's the norm? Like, yeah. gender norms. Yeah. It's hard for me. And they're actually, it's very common for individuals with autism and who are neurodivergent in general to um, be more gender fluid. Because we don't, we don't know what's considered normal. Like our body just says and does what it wants. Mm-hmm. So I, like I was a tomboy. Feel, like you yeah. say what you feel. Yeah. And I, I was a tomboy. I wanted to play around. I, I love, I ride a motorcycle. I love cars. I, you know, I do these things that wouldn't be considered gender norm, mm. but I also love to bake and I love to cook and I really love a dress with sparkles. But these are all just things because I feel like I like them. Does that make sense? Yeah. Our stuff is based on what we like and what feels good to us, not necessarily what someone else says is good for us. Does that make sense? It's 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 hard to explain, but that's. No, I, I get you. Yeah. Okay. Ah. Learning lots of things. Today. A lot of inf- <laughs> lot of information. A lot a lot of information. Um, sir, do you have any questions? So from. You mentioned uh, you have children, right? Yeah. So how does that, so with you, are they young, younger? I have a stepson who's 15. Oh. I have a older son who's 15. And then I have an eight-year-old. She's a mom mom. Yeah, I'm a mom mom. So, Been so a while. how, um, just with you, like, you know, the way you, like, go about or, like, you know, you feel things or you, or you react to things and take things, how do you, how do you, um, like, how did you get them to, you know, like kind of teach them in a way like, mm-hmm. like, was it, was it like difficult for, I'm, I'm trying to. No, I get what you're saying. Yeah. So like, like when you, when they're coming up, when you, yep. when they're brought up, like, how did you go about like telling them like, this is what's right and what's wrong and, yep. you know. Hmm. So, no, that's fine. Um, I, I don't know. Honestly, um, I have a kid who's neurodivergent as well. Okay. Um, he's great. He's one of the most kind and compassionate and creative human beings you ever met in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, he's easy to love because of that. Right. He was a difficult kid, um, and I was young when I had him. I was 19, so it was hard for me because, um, I, I'm going to be honest, I think my mom and my grandma, it's hereditary. Yeah. I'm having autism or ADHD, that neurodivergences. Yeah. And I'm fairly certain both my grandmother and my mom have some sort of neurodivergence. Mm-hmm. Um, they would never admit to it. Older generations have a hard time yeah, accepting yeah. it. Yeah. But so I just did my best. And as an adult, I learned a lot about what was going on with my brain and my body mm-hmm. so that I could help teach my kids those things. Because I didn't feel as a kid growing up in the 90s that our, especially as a female, we didn't have the same, um, you know, services and things that we have now. Mm-hmm. Oh, so sure. a lot of what I had to experience was me just figuring out on my own. Um, and, and I asked that because just even for me working with children, um, I can see kids getting taken advantage of a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Other kids, you know what I mean? And it's like, like, how do you, like, so it's, it's, it would be like, just me just thinking about it. Like, um, you can, they like just pretend to be your friend just to get you to do something or just Mm -hmm. to embarrass you. And it's like, like, Going home or like your your kid coming home and 
be like, this happened to me, and it's like, that would be tough. You know yeah. what I mean? And I, my kid's been bullied because he's different. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I remember being bullied. I would have done anything for girls to be my friend. Yeah. Because I wanted them to like right. me. And so I used to, I'm like going to have a real talk here. I used to lie all the time about what my life was like at home mm-hmm. because I wanted them to like me. Mm-hmm. Not because that's it made me feel great right. or like I, I, I just wanted them to be like, oh, she's cool. I'd want to spend time with her. Right. So, and I was bullied. I went through some weight problems in middle school due to depression and anxiety. Mm. I was a weird kid because I'm different than a lot right. of other people. And so I had like some solid friends, but I was definitely not a popular kid. Mm. And <clears throat> so now having this kid, luckily the world's a lot more yeah. welcoming than yeah. it used to be. For sure. Definitely. But I pride in being a parent who allows my kids to be who they want. Yeah. I have a transgender child. Okay. And I love watching him be who he is. And I want my kids to be compassionate and empathetic and yeah. loving and smart and creative and accepting of others. Because I grew up in a world where that wasn't what happened. I was right? going to say, just because just, you just said it, like, it's just different now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, people... Our generation was pretty shitty with the, with yeah. that stuff, and this this generation is more open, more welcoming, mm-hmm. yeah. and it's it's like, in a sense, it's like you know grateful for that. But then you still you know you still have the, the seeds planted here and there, but um, for the most part, it's, it's just you know it's just open and accepting, and that's you know that's great for for these you know these young men and women you know that just. Mm-hmm. Are figuring their life out, or, or going through what they're going through, and because you never know what you know somebody got going on. Yeah. When they leave their house, you know, or. So and we yeah. talk about that, like when bullies come up in school, you know, yeah. as um, me working with kids with trauma played mm-hmm. a big part in that. Is bullied kids get they bully. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. when they're experiencing something, especially like at home, a lot of bullies, statistically speaking, have experienced domestic violence in their home yeah. or poverty yeah. or these other things. They're watching their mom get beat, their mm-hmm. dad's an alcoholic. Stuff happens because they're experiencing they're that kind of stuff at home. They're blaming themselves. Yeah. And know? then they go and they pick on someone else because it makes them feel better. And then, you know, so how I've taught my kids is we need to remember that people their behavior doesn't reflect anything on you. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I'm different. Okay, I get that. But if someone chooses to not welcome that, yeah, then that's on them, not me. Right. It's I'm not responsible for their behavior. And so that's something that I really try to work on. And I try to tell kids that I, even when I work with, I work with a lot of teenagers even now, yeah. that it their thoughts and beliefs have nothing to do with you. That's on them. You just be kind and considerate and understanding of other people and you're golden. Like that's... I can't be in charge of someone else's thoughts and feelings. And, and when did you get to that point where it was like, where you stopped saying, well, it's, it's my fault, it's my fault. It's like, well, if, if they don't like me, that's on that's on them. Recently. Recently. Honestly, with some of my, auti- my, with my autism diagnosis, that's when I really started looking into and feeling it. Because we have this thing when you're neurodivergent called rejection dysphoria, sensitivity dysphoria, sorry, where we, you could tell me, oh, hey, how you doing? And because you didn't say it like you did yesterday when you were like, what's up? How you doing? Right. Yeah. I immediately think, oh, shit, what did I do? Right. Mm-hmm. I immediately start to feel bad. I think that the reason why I'm different is something that I'm doing wrong and I'm not fitting in with other people for that reason. Mm. So it takes a long time to learn 
that. And yeah. I have good days and bad days. There are sometimes someone will say something and I just immediately think it's my fault. Mm. It's just how my brain processes those feelings and and that information. And it's it's it takes time. You just got to learn how to love yourself. And honestly, and he can speak to this, Mr. Green over here, that I have, I, it. he sees it. I try really hard during my day to be positive about who I am. And it's okay that I'm different. I honestly, that's what makes me a blessing to the world. And mm -hmm. I don't want anyone else to feel different than that. And that's something we've talked about before. Yeah, for sure. There are two versions of, of JC <laughs> that I get to see because I'm just in her office all the time. Yeah. And the reason for that is, Similarly, for me, I need it quiet. Like I say yeah. it on the podcast all the time. My level of anxiety, yeah. is, yeah. it's not a joke. So I need a, a quiet space. And if I don't have it, I'm, I'm all over. But two versions that you would see with her, there's the fun and loving, like outgoing sort of JC. Everyone goes to her for whatever. Yeah. And then... There's the quiet JC, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the one who's focused on what needs to be done, the one who's more low key and just trying to keep it all together. So, so question for you: So, do you when when you're um, probably you know just you're the normal fun loving mm -hmm. uh, role you are when you like when you go see JC and she's not in that mode? Like, how do you how do you balance that? No, that's a good question. It's funny because this even happened uh, Thursday when I came back. Mm -hmm. We were checking in, and I just kept asking. I kept continuously <laughs> yeah. asking. I was like, you good? Everything okay? You need something? And she's like, I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah. I'm fine. And yeah. I was like, no, nah, she's fucking lying. But she's this is she's a, lying. This she's is lying. the thing we do. Are you JC fine? Or are you actually fine? Because I have two kinds of fine. I'm a I'm good. I'm solid. Or I have a I'm just trying to make sure that I don't run out of here crying because yeah. Yeah. I'm overwhelmed with mm. everything that's going on. Um, usually it's JC fine. Where if we're gonna tell the truth here, um, but but I'm the same. It's I don't know. I'm sensitive to that too. Like if I'm in a good mood and someone else I know, like him or anyone I'm working with, is in a bad. mood. Sometimes I don't know how to handle that because mm. I'm, I'm like an emotion sponge and I want to be like, oh, so I'm bringing it down. But again, I copy people. Yeah. I, that's, so I try really hard to not be that way. It's uh, not as natural as it, I wish it was, but mm -hmm. we but, make it work. Yeah. I mean, usually when it comes to just being in the office, there's a lot going on. Yeah. And at certain, I'd say in certain parts, like your office is always chill. So you'd usually see our team in there and mm -hmm. it's it's uplifting i would say yeah. and it can be that way or it could be really really chill yeah yeah so it can go one or the other you guys have a big team or no we're small as shit yeah we oh. there's five of us including me so um but i you know working again we work with individuals who are neurodivergent and have different mm -hmm. things going on i try to create a space even in my office of it's a safe space, I guess. Yeah. Um, I also want it to be fun. I have toys in my office. For God's sakes, I just hung up a... Do you remember Rugrats? Yeah. You know Angelica's doll, Cynthia? Yeah. <laughs> I just made a painting of her. Oh, like, yeah. I painted it myself. With the, with the stringy hair. With the crazy hair. hair. Yeah. yeah, remind me. I'll show you. I hung it up in my office. Romero's scared of it. He's like, this, she looks terrifying. Listen. So I put her up behind him. It's funny. But... uh. Yeah. How dare you, by the way? <laughs> you, like you did that on purpose. I'm telling you. <laughs> Asshole. Yeah. But so I like to I like to have fun. Mm -hmm. I 
so one thing about ADHD and neurodivergence, which I wanted to talk about a little bit, was um, hyperfixations. Okay, so it's this thing where we get really excited about something, yeah. and I could do it forever. I play the sim. I play video games. Okay, I will never not play video games. They make me happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I played World of Warcraft for seventeen years. Really? Oh yeah. So um, for me, it's a big thing about I like something that keeps my mind busy. I mm-hmm. play The Sims and I build houses and uh, let other people download them for fun, um, which was actually a sign of autism that my mom missed when I was younger. Mm-hmm. I like to build my houses for my Barbies. I didn't like to play social stories with my Barbies. That can yeah. be a sign of autism in girls is we're not as social. Mm-hmm. We like to line things up or decorate or do stuff. I spent more time making pillows out of socks that I found randomly in my house because I wanted my house to look nice versus me actually playing with the Barbies, you know? Mm. So I get these hyper fixations where I can sit and do something for hours and it's actually a superpower because if I say, I'm going to learn how to do this, I'm going to learn how to do it. Yeah. I will spend the next month of my life researching, reading, taking in that information, getting things done. Um, mm-hmm. So that's, that's, I mean, I have, Batman shoes, I have Batman <laughs> stuff, I collect Barbies, I still play with toys. Like, I just do whatever makes me happy because that's what my brain likes to do. And we get those hyper fixations. And that can be difficult for people to understand. Mm-hmm. Like, why why do you have so many Barbies in your house? You're a grown woman. And I, this is just who what cares? I love. But, right. There are a lot of people who don't care. And that's the great part. But mm-hmm. there are still people who yeah. will judge you for it. Yeah, um, for doing something that you love. So it's just something that makes, it's, again, it gives you that boost constantly those happy hormones and mm-hmm. we can be addicted to stuff like that. Um, so I don't know. I, I still, I just opened, I probably spent $70 on toys this morning. I'm not making that up. On what? <laughs> yeah. Um, they do you some, like, do you like the old school toys or like the, the uh, it depends. Stuff? I okay. collect a lot of stuff. I collect beauty and the beast stuff is mm-hmm. the first movie I ever saw in the movie theater. I became obsessed with it after that. I read a lot of books. Mm-hmm. So Belle was like my princess. Um, and, uh, I love mini brands. I love tiny stuff. Yeah. It's I'm are you obsessed. into the, the was it the it. pop? Uh, what is what is it called the, with the big heads? Uh, Funko. Oh pop? yeah, Funko, Funko Pop. Yeah. I have yeah. some of them, but only if they're I have Barbie ones and I have Batman ones. I have Wonder Woman. I I'm a DC fan. Mm. Um, uh, Peep the shoes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah I have I Superman those. shoes too. Those. Yeah, um, but DC, huh? Yeah, always. And um, you come from a lot of tragedy. Okay. I like the dark part of yeah. it, you know? It is, DC is dark, man. Yeah, DC is. is dark. Yeah. There's a whole story behind that, too. Um, <laughs> but so I also collect, like, mini brands. I have Barbies because I always love Barbies because I like their tiny things. I love tiny clothes and, tiny like, whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know why exactly, but my brain just gets so happy. So this morning I literally opened up tiny pairs of shoes in a shoe box and they had the paper and the <laughs> tiny sneakers. I was like, how, how did I not know this was a thing? I bought them today. So these are just things that make me happy and make me different. And it's Mm. something that I really love. And it's just part of, you know, giving me that boost of happy hormones in my brain. And it's Mm. a healthy thing, you know. I'm not out doing drugs instead. I'm just buying tiny toys, I guess. (laughs) No, that's cool. That's cool, though. Um, But that makes me think I have two questions that are different from the other. Question for you, Eric. I don't think I've ever asked you. We've been friends for so long. And I've seen you at different moments. And I'm like... It's happy as shit, but what's something that makes you really, really happy? Makes me really, really happy? Yeah, something that you really That's enjoy, me. but you don't give a, a yeah. fuck what anyone else thinks. Um, Like, for me, you know it's Dragon Ball Z. I don't give a shit. Well, that, too. I was, well, 
I was really big into cartoons. Like mm-hmm. I would just I can watch cartoons all fucking day. Like I can watch Dragon Ball Z all for hours, yeah. you know. But um yes, yeah, just something along the lines of that. Just I don't know. Just where I don't have to do anything, you know, just kinda kick it. Kick it. Chill. And, yeah. 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 Yeah, I would say that. Okay. Um and then question two, this is more of a professional question. Mm-hmm. JC, maybe you can give some input on this as well. Going back to... Are you asking me this or are you asking JC? Kind of both, oh, really. Okay. Sorry. but It's think, a two for one. <laughs> thinking about um, the conversation and talking about kids, them coming up and how, you know, they're more exposed to, I'd say, more information. Yeah. We're more open to things, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I still wonder about caregivers. Like, there are those who still kind of miss the mark. Mm. And um, I guess I'm kind of wondering, like, why is it? Why is it that in this day and age where we have all of this information, there are, there are parents who, who either don't know what's going on with their kid yeah. or they're... It's almost like they're in denial about what's happening. Um, it's kind of a loaded question. Yeah, well, honestly, my take on it, I think it's more denial. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's more denial I because I have a caseload. I have um, a student that needs way more services than we're giving him, mm-hmm. but the parents just won't, you know, they, no, nah, he's, he's, you know, he don't need that. He's and it's like, um, for this that situation, I believe it's got it's a cultural mm-hmm. thing. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, I really, I, I truly do. And I, I think it's it's a lot of denial because there's too much information out here for us and parents. You know, not to take be, action. Yeah, just, take action. Yeah. You know, and like, cause a lot, yeah, a lot don't know. But then when you still offer that, the help and the knowledge and the info, and it's like sometimes they still don't take it. Sometimes they will. You know, it just it depends on the situation, really, I, mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah. So um, me personally having a kid who has neurodivergence, and I also have a kid who has some physical disabilities too, um, what happens when you have a kid, when you're ha- having a kid is you, you kind of picture this life for them. Right. That they're going to grow up, they're going to be doctors and lawyers, and they're going to change the world, and they're going to do these things. And then you have a kid who's born with some sort of um, disability, or mm. I like to call a different ability, um, and you grieve. You grieve a lot about what you thought life was going to be like for you and your kids, especially when it's significantly more expensive to raise a kid with a disability than it is to raise a kid without because you have to seek extra services. Um, if you come from a different socioeconomical background, if you come from a different culture, if you mm. come from things where mental health, like in a lot of Asian cultures, they don't think that it's a good thing to talk about mental health. There's a lot of right. things that come up with this and it make it difficult for an individual to go, okay, well now things are going to be different. Mm-hmm. And then it's a, most of these issues that kids are having or these diagnoses are invisible. You can't see them. So I explain this to parents on a regular basis. When they don't make adaptations 
for their children. I say, if your kid didn't have legs, would you make him walk up the stairs? And they look at me and go, well, what do you mean? Would you not install a ramp? Right. Would you not figure out how they could get up the, you know, put on those little seats that move up? Like, how would you, how would you do that? And they're like, well, well, obviously. Well, then how come you can't do that for your kid who needs a different adaptation? Mm -hmm. Like, I just need it to be more quiet at night because my brain is tired and it's harder for me to fall asleep, for me to get good sleep so I can be helpful at school. Mm -hmm. It's because parents have to make the adaptations to themselves. Yeah. It is not the kid who needs to make changes. It's a parent who needs to make changes. That means that I have to sometimes not do the things I want to do because I have to be there for my kid or I have to do things. It's a, it's a huge thing. And part of that grief and that stuff is denial of what, what life was supposed to be like. Nah, we'll be fine. They got it. They're fine. And then when they don't receive those services, they're not going to be successful adults. They're going to have a harder time functioning. And it, it is. It's changing our perception. And that's a hard thing to do. Okay? Mm -hmm. We think we can make the kid better. Yeah. But these are things that the kid just, this is how my brain works. I right. can't make it work any differently. I can make adaptations as an adult, but you can't force a kid to make adaptations. You can teach them skills and how to be better with something, but it's parents who have to change their expectations and those things. And that's really hard to do as established adults, mm -hmm. especially when you want your kid to grow up and be a doctor and do these things. It's, it's a difficult thing. Well, you're um, stuck, right? Yeah. Not to sound cliche, but you know, the common thing that you hear with adults is all oh, you're stuck in your ways. Yeah. So, and it happens a lot where it's, it's, they, don't want to accept the change. They don't want to have to do the work. Mm -hmm. And it's a parent who has to do the majority of the work um, when it's a kid. Heavy stuff. Okay. Those are just some words of wisdom <laughs> by J.C. Hansen. You're welcome. You can definitely isolate that. I like it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Oh, like, that was already clipping that in my mind. Yeah. <laughs> I was already clipping that in my mind. I even, I even looked at what time it was. I was like, all right. Yeah. Just... Just saying, in case you need me to do any like that. special okay. things yeah. for the future, I got it. I was wondering what you were looking at, too, not to cut you off, but I, was, <laughs> I kept seeing you look up, and I was like, what's up I, there? Yeah, I should have put it on my all the things over there. <laughs> but oh. see, struggling. I'm going to just get it canceled. I'm going to just edit it out anyway. Nailed it. All right. <laughs> um, Nailed it. I was going to, so another question that I have for you, kind of going back to your smorgasbord of stuff, we'll say. When you were growing up, you know, what were, just to hear about your challenges, Yeah. what about with relationships? What was that like for you? Like as in an intimate relationship? Yeah, let's go there. Um, I don't know, I had a boyfriend at 12. I mean, and when I say boyfriend, I mean, like, he was this boy in my neighborhood who I just thought was so cute, right? And I, he asked me, you want to be my girlfriend? And I was like, sure. I did not know what that meant, right, you know? Um, but I actually dated the same guy until I was 18. So, um, I don't know. It was weird, I guess, um, because I don't know what's socially normal. And um, sometimes we can hyperfixate on a person, which is, you know, something that you guys have talked about before. Mm -hmm. Um so I don't know. I guess I was just learning and like anybody else. But as an adult, it's different because there's more things that come with it, right? Like mm -hmm. when you're a kid, you just are like, ah, school, relationship. Right. 
and your relationships your whole life outside of school and school is the whole life out there's like two things but when you're an adult you have other things going on like your family and kids and other stuff that's hard for me um communication was really hard for me being able to be open about stuff mm. i used to do the opposite of what i do now where i just didn't say anything mm-hmm. i let people walk all over me a lot that was hard um and then i got my voice and now i think i overtell people <laughs> what's wrong <laughs> but um I don't know. It's, I, I don't know. I guess I don't, for me, it's normal how relationships work are different. Um, yeah. That, not Sorry not yeah. to cut you off, but that's similar to what Jake said yeah. when he was on, like from an outside perspective, it can be looked at as someone who has ADD or ADHD, but to them, it's just a normal yeah. life. I guess I definitely looked for people who are more exciting and dangerous so we can be adrenaline junkies because of those happy hormones. Like, mm. um, that's why I like riding motorcycle and I love fast cars and I love roller coasters and I love, I want to skydive. You're about action. Listen, because to me, it's a rush that you can't get in any other way, right? That's why addiction is a big problem with individuals who are neurodivergent is we're constantly self-medicating um, if we're not on medication to give ourselves that, those happy hormones in our brain. Mm-hmm. We can be addicted to it. Um, so I really like doing that stuff. So I would always go for, I'm just going to put this in quotes, bad boys, right? (laughs) They weren't really bad boys, but they were guys who were more difficult to be in a relationship with. Um, I really grew up in a house of turmoil sometimes. And so that was hard. Um, My mom didn't, had been married a few times and, you know, unstable relationships. So I was addicted to that too, the ups and downs of a relationship. Yeah. Um, When they really, really love me and they really, really hate me. And then we'd fight and argue and those things because it's exciting and that's a big part of it. So for me as a female, that's kind of what I looked for a lot in a relationship. Um, Someone who made things exciting, not necessarily healthy, for sure. That's interesting. So, and we we talk about this all the time, about relationships. Like, you know, you could be with somebody and they could just mess your life up Mm. or vice versa. Yeah. But with what you're saying, uh, I find that fascinating because, you know, this this high that you could be riding, yeah. and even when you go down, you just want that thing again. You can be with somebody, or you could be in a position where it always feels wrong, but because you want that high, or you're just used to this cycle, you think that's the norm. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's so where we want it, where I'm going to say I'm messing stuff up. A neurotypical person is kind of wants to be in that zone usually of things are just good, Mm -hmm. right? Like solid, not lots of ups, not lots of downs. Yes, those happen, but you kind of just want to stay kind of consistent. And how my brain works is I'm an extremist, right? I either am really, really sad or I'm really, really happy. Mm. There's not really a lot in between Mm -hmm. with my medication, Um, I do take medication for my neurodivergence, and then I also take an anxiety medication and depression medication for my PTSD, which helps level out, like, so I'm not feeling so extreme all the time. So Mm -hmm. I try to stay within those zones, which is what 
to me, a neurotypical person should be looking for. But I definitely was always on the search of that up and down and up and down and up and down. And then I realized that that's so unhealthy. It's exhausting. And honestly, it's not safe yeah. for a person. That's how you get into situations where people are violent or and you're more accepting of those things. Mm -hmm. um, and just seeking that out is something that I've learned to not do is I kind of definitely want more of what's in that stable zone because that's what makes me feel better. Mm -hmm. And I had to learn more about myself and my brain and why I do those things. Um, I would say all relationships are not easy, regardless if you're neurotypical or neurodivergent. Um, and I think now knowing more about my neurodivergence makes me a better partner. Um, because I can tell you, hey, I'm feeling bitchy today because yeah. I'm really overwhelmed and stressed out. I'm hypersensitive. Mm. I'm just give me a minute. I don't like to be touched sometimes. I don't. And I will voice it and say, mm -hmm. hey, it has nothing to do with you. Right. It's just me. Um, so I don't know. I would like to say that knowing more about myself helps. For sure. It counts. Yeah. Being able to communicate my needs in a better way is important, too. Mm -hmm. You know, just saying, hey, I need these things because I can't function without them. Um, right now I'm with someone and he, if he tries to touch the dishes in the morning, I freak out. because mm -hmm. I, So I had to like get really good at just saying, please don't do this right now. Or even taking it upon myself and doing the dishes before I go to bed. So then it's not a problem mm -hmm. in the morning. Just compromise and working as much as you can to try to help with those things. Talking, bringing up medications. When, like for you, when you're taking medication and you run out. <laughs> Unmedicated JC, yes. You want to talk about that? All right. Well, <laughs> what's, the, what's the biggest difference between you on medication and you off of it? Um, well, first of all, there's not a lot of long-term studies on the long-term effects of stimulant medication on the brain. Mm. So I've been taking stimulant medication well, let's see, the last bout for, I don't know, eight years. Okay. Um, and when you get off of the medication, it's like, so I'm constantly right now in that, like, zone, right? And without my medication, it's like up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down. And I'm not used to that. Mm -hmm. um, it sometimes makes me crazy. I'm going to be honest with you. It makes me feel everything more intense, and I'm more impulsive, I'm, you know, I'll just like, oh, cool, I'd rather go do this instead of actually doing my work. Um, it's hard just for me to just do normal functions. And my sensory stuff is like way off the charts. I don't feel good. I just feel everything really intensely. It's because I've been on medication for so long, it's really hard. And you got to experience a good month of me not having my medication at work. I'm still a normal, wonderful, happy person. However, I was definitely more overwhelmed, I guess you would probably say. I'd, what did you see? Because you brought it up a couple of times. Unmedicated. I know, man. You were fun. You're, yeah. you're fun as hell. Um, you're always fun. But yeah. I think the biggest difference was you know when you, are, when you actually have your meds, you know when to have a good time and stuff and make people laugh and when to be like, all right, I got, I got stuff <laughs> yeah. to do. When weren't it could go on and oh, it was yeah. like oh okay. that's when we're like okay cool i actually have toys at work you want to play with them for the next four <laughs> hours we gotta actually work i'd rather play with the toys yeah yeah it's it's just i tend to seek those happy 
hormone moments because it, what it does is with that chemical deficiency, when you get those, it brings you back down to the normal. Mm-hmm. So again, that's why with the things like I love to ride my motorcycle because the high of being on it makes me feel normal. Mm. So like, so stimulant medication is like taking, having lots of caffeine in your brain. It, it gives you stimulants. So like when I take drink a Red Bull, it does the opposite for me as it does for most other people. It does not make me awake. It makes me focused because mm. it gives those stimulants in my brain to level out my chemistry. It just goes to where so you then, need it to go, right? Yeah, it's like yeah. I become a superhuman and I can get so many things done because I can hyper-focus on what I need to do versus me wanting to go play with toys and ride my motorcycle and do things that are more fun. It's it's kind of the best way to explain it is it really just balances out my chemistry. I, I get you. Sorry, I'm just thinking. That's all right. Because I've heard people say similar things. Yeah. Um, just with caffeine alone. Mm. Like mm-hmm. for some people they get a boost of energy and for others it just kind of levels them out in a way. I actually sleep better if I have caffeine before I go to bed. See, that's interesting. <laughs> Cuz it quiets my brain. It makes me feel more again in the that normal zone, so it's easier for me to go to sleep. Like I could have a few cups of coffee and I was then say, go to bed. Are you bed. a coffee drinker then? Yeah, it's hard on my stomach, which that's a whole another thing, yeah. but mm-hmm. it's um yeah, I but I can definitely have like an energy drink and then go to sleep. Mm. And people always think that's weird. They're like, what's going on with you? It's just that's how my brain processes that stuff. Okay. Uh, before I ask my next question, I'm going to shift it over to my man. Cause like I'm good. Thinking. You sure? Yeah. yeah. All right. I'm. Slot. He's thinking. No, no. I I'm, I'm, don't have any more questions. I'm just, this is a great. Yeah. Okay. I like this type of information, especially yeah. in my field of work. But yeah, I'm, I don't have any more questions. Though. All right. Um, talking about kids, though, I wanted to ask you this. With everything that you know just about yourself mm-hmm. and working with parents and whatnot, what's a common misconception that people have when it comes to autism? The autistic individuals are stupid. Mm. I would feel like that's a big one or that they're dangerous or they're not capable of things. Yeah, It's sure. called a spectrum for a reason, right? So like it's, it's like the rainbow, right? There's many different colors, creeds, whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's, there are people which they used to call like Asperger's used to be considered high functioning. It's not an actual diagnosis anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but where they were just like me, I have a job and a family and I, I would say I'm a fairly sufficient human being. Um, and then there are some who are what considered low functioning. Um, not really the terms we like to use mm-hmm. anymore, but where they require more services and more things like that. Um, and people are scared of it. And for a long time, the whole, like, um, vaccine thing was a big thing that people talked about. Yeah. Because yeah, you yeah, get yeah. vaccinated, they're going to have autism. That's not how it works. Um, but it's just people, it's like a term people don't understand. When I tell people I'm autistic, they're like, get out of here. Yeah. No, you're not. Yeah, I actually am. Right. Like, it's just, um, I don't know they think they know stuff about it and what they do know is not usually correct. And for a long time, again, females were not considered um, to be able to be autistic for a long, long, long time um, because the diagnosis and the criteria for diagnosing was based around males. Most of the studies and things that were ever done on autism were from males because they Mm. presented differently and more, I would say, loudly it's more obvious usually for a male. So that's a lot of misconception too, is that females 
you know, are, can be autistic. They, mm -hmm. a lot of people think they can't be or that, you know. To add on to what you're saying, just about studies, uh, especially with males. Yeah. Another part of that is not only were the studies done on males, but on white males. Yes, a, absolutely. A lot of them. So for us as African-Americans, we're, well, we were overlooked in that way mm. as well. They're underdiagnosed and tested so much later. Mm -hmm. And which is really unfortunate because there's such a lack of services in in early interventions are such an important part of neurodivergence um, so that kids can learn those skills. And it's really unfortunate that especially like in poor neighborhoods, um, you know, different demographics, they are overlooked quite often, mm -hmm. which is, you know, we have a lot of kids like that in our clinic. I'm sure you see a lot of kids in your school. And then the unfortunate part is that their parents don't have the education they always need. Yeah, and it's, for sure. And it's generational, right? Because then they, because their parents and then their parents and their parents of those minority groups never received proper health care, education, um, mental health care, a lot of those things that now it's multi-generational. And now that you're really starting to see struggles because grandparents don't understand it, parents aren't fully understanding, or they don't have the economic means to take care of their kid the way they need to. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot that goes into that when you're talking about, you know, those different demographics of kids. So what do you do and when, when there's this common misconception and on top of that, there's this sort of pushback from, I guess, the world where it's like, no, that's not what's happening with my kid or, oh, what the fuck are you talking about? What is what is this thing? No, that's not real, I guess. Education, I guess, is we can't make a parent do better. We can just do our best to do what's best for the kid by giving the education. Um, and unfortunately, in this world, there's not a lot we can do. We, I can't step in. Um, and if it comes to, you know, as mandated reporters, if we ever see neglect, those kinds of things for people who aren't able to do that stuff, that's where we would have to step in. But we can't, I mean, you can't change somebody's mind. Mm -hmm. um, but just being supportive. Um, sometimes me telling my the parents I work with that I'm autistic, mm -hmm. like we talked about that before, makes a difference because they're like, wait a second, you are? Yeah. Face lights up. Because know? guess what? Autistic individuals are sometimes way more intelligent than the oh, average yeah. individual. Definitely. It's just that we have this thing where our brain processes information in and out so differently. Mm -hmm. It's not that I'm not smart. I'm incredibly brilliant. However, my brain scrambles things up when I try to find it. So I kind of explain it to people in the way, especially for being smart, which has a lot to do with this. Parents are just like, well, my kid can't do these things. Yeah, mm. they can. We just do it differently. Mm -hmm. It's like somebody mixed up all the files in my file cabinet in my yeah. brain and never put anything in alphabetical order. It's there. It just takes me a little bit longer to get it out. Right. And when I do, I'm going to be almost 100% correct. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm pretty spot on about that stuff. So that's a, it's just a hard thing to try to explain to parents. Um, being kind and understanding what they're feeling too. It could just be that they don't know any better. So with the combination of things yeah. that make you, you, what's something that you would like to do in, in the future? Oh man, that's a lot of things. Um, I, I actually want to start my own podcast at some point, which apparently is now for the love of people, um, <laughs> is a thing. Chair. Yeah, it's, it's really fine. Um, also I'm fidgety, which is another <laughs> neurodivergent thing. It's just how I function. But, um, I would like to start a podcast that talks about specifically female 
experiences, especially in the workplace or as moms or mm. as just in this world where we're supposed to look a certain way and do these things, the, that female experience of it's pretty different. Um, Should I'd we lo- edit that part out so no one takes that idea? No, that's or, fine. Okay. I already have it started, so we're, I'm just working on I just have to find time. I'm a busy lady. Um, I'd love to give a TED Talk. I'd love to write a book. I would love to do lots of things. I just want to give more people hope for what their future could look like despite a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Um, and also help other parents work yeah. with their kids and know what, you know, that just because you have this doesn't mean you can't have a fulfilling life. Um, you know, I've done lots of different things already in my life. I feel pretty old already at 35. And I just want to be able to help people as much as I possibly can. I don't want ever, anyone to ever feel the way I used to feel mm-hmm. as an individual or I felt hopeless and that I couldn't have accomplished my dreams or do those things. Um, I'm totally capable of doing them. And I've even surpassed my own expectations. And that's what I just hope to help other people learn in the future. Solid stuff. Um, E, unless you have some questions that you have, I maybe we'll do last call. No, we can do last. My last call is going to be a question anyway, so we can do last call. We'll start. Uh, excuse me. Sorry, I meant to say cool. Go ahead, <laughs> sir. <laughs> um, so for my last, you know, you listen, so you know what last call. Yeah. Is, you know what yeah. I mean? But for my last call, I so I'm starting. We're starting a new school year in yep. two weeks. So me, for me as an, a special education uh, teacher, what it, do you have any advice for me going into this year mm. that I can take with me and spread to my kids that I work because I work with across the board. I guess see them as a person, not a diagnosis. And usually people who work in the field see the kids that way anyways. But really just see them. Yeah. And really find what their strengths are Mm -hmm. and point that out. And and not only just do that, but help the parents know that too. Yeah. Lots of positivity. We use those pride skills in our job where we talk a lot about being positive and pointing out what they're good at. Right. Instead of the deficits. Yeah. Because that's, you know, that's what the diagnosis for like ADHD is. It's a deficit. I have less of something, but in all reality, I have more of a lot of other things that people don't get. Mm. Um, being kind, I mean, those are, that's, when you're working with the kids specifically, that's yeah. just what, as me, as a kid, if I had teachers who paid more attention to what my strengths were, yeah. I wouldn't have struggled so much in school. I would have had somebody look at me and say, hey, you're totally awesome, and you can do so many great things, and yeah. that wouldn't have held me back from doing a lot of the things that I maybe wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Wise words, wise words. <laughs> Again, um, more words of wisdom by Chasey Hansen. <laughs> That should be a whole segment. I feel like you're Can plugging a that? lot right now. Can we have a whole segment? I would do this. Um, what you got, man? A lot. There's a lot of a lot of information was given yeah. mm-hmm. this episode. Yeah, this is great. This um, is great. I think one thing is reflecting on everything is even even for us as, as people, like we have to learn to be open. Yeah. to more things as an as uncomfortable as it can be but even as a as a parent be comfortable being uncomfortable right? yeah that's the only way you can grow you can't grow in an, a comfortable situation some people don't want to grow <laughs> they're lost i guess <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah that's it just be open 
even for myself, I have to tell, I have to remind myself of mm-hmm. those things. It's like, it's okay. You, you should be open to right. to certain stuff. So definitely, man. What about you, Miss JC? My last call is I just want to tell you thank you. I guess I have really appreciated listening to you guys, and I love to hear your take on things, both of you, mm-hmm. um, because I love to take in anybody's, like we just said, be accepting of others and listen to someone else's point of view mm-hmm. and understanding where someone comes from and what everyone experiences is unique and different. And it takes a lot of guts to put our beliefs and our ideas and our thoughts out into the world. And kudos to you guys for that. That's thank you. Pretty thank you. amazing. Appreciate that. Um, for the younger generation, do you have any words of wisdom? Be weird. <laughs> I'm being serious. I know. It's, just... it's. I honestly, weird is not a bad word. It is <laughs> honestly. I t- I tell my kid this on a regular basis. It is the weird people who make the changes. It is the people who don't fit in the box who make the changes. Some of the greatest minds in history were weird. Mm-hmm. Albert Einstein. Did you know Justin Timberlake? He has ADHD. Yeah. Did you know a lot of the... I didn't know that. Did you know that? Yeah. I did a not lot, know that. Michael Phelps. Um, yep, knew that all too. kinds yeah, of people. They all have these, these neurodivergent brains and they are the people who make changes and do things and think outside the box and are creative. So be weird. It's honestly the only way to be if you ask me. Cool. Well, thank you for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, E, can you bring us home, sir? All right. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Another, another, another episode of the Symposium Podcast, episode 75. Yeah. Once again, I'm E. Wright. Rose Gold. We would like to thank our very special guest, JC Hansen. JC Hansen <laughs> for joining us today, man. So remember, like she said, be weird. All right. Be weird. Episode 75. Till next time, everybody. We out. Lovely. Quick thumbnail it up. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. All right. <laughs> Just like a, so much like a two-second pause. Okay, but I feel like we have to be weird because that was the whole We have tech. to. I feel like, I feel like, like that's ah. the name of it, too. <laughs> Please be. I love it. I like to be weird. It's good for you. What are you going to do that's weird? Uh, <laughs> I don't know.